Authors on the Air. I'm Terry Shepard. Welcome to Authors on the Air. This program explores every aspect of the publishing industry, from the people who tell the stories to the teams that support them. In this episode, we take you behind the scenes of podcast preparation to learn how someone with a limited knowledge of the mechanics can leverage a pro to create a great show. Chris Duckett does just that. He describes himself as a geek, musician, editor, entrepreneur, husband, dog, and cat dad, and much more. He's been involved with live pre- and post-production for 20 years, teaching himself along the way. He has the chops to handle all the logistics, including audio and video editing, technical support, posting and prepping blogs, and uploading content to hosts for distribution. It'll be a fascinating conversation for anyone who's ever thought they might want to be a podcaster. Chris, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. I'm really uh, looking forward to. I, I, we we had a little talk beforehand, and and I've really just been in, enjoying that already. So I know this is going to be a great great time. And your audio sounds terrific. Take us through the gear that you use to produce a podcast for somebody. Sh- sure. So for for me personally, and for what I use on on my podcast, I just have a very simple USB microphone. It's a M Audio uh, producer pro. USB and and I've had it for ages and ages. Uh, now there's a million and one microphones out there that can do the same thing, but this one has been very faithful to me, and and I don't have to have an audio interface or anything like that. So it's it's nice and direct and clean, and and that helps a lot. So yeah, it's uh, that it just plugs straight into my computer, and I set it as my input. Uh, I have other gear like you know my 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 studio speakers and things like that but nothing of any specific it's hodgepodge of things that i've just gathered over the years and use and what do you record on how do you take take us from the beginning to the end of a podcast all the way to production and deployment across platforms how does that work absolutely so i personally uh, if i'm doing an audio only i will use uh, cleanfeed.net to do my recording that gives me as the editor a full quality wave file for each participant in the conversation uh, i love that it's cross-platform so i can have people join me from their iphones or their ipads or a computer and it gives me that flexibility to be able to talk with anybody if need be and if I'm doing video, which is something that I've been doing a lot more of, I've started using Riverside.fm. It does basically the same thing on audio, gives me separate full full quality audio sources, but it also gives me high quality, full quality, technically, uh, uh, video from their source. And it does a essentially what's called a double ender. It will record locally on your system and upload as you go and then it keeps a separate lower quality stream going clean feed does the same thing uh separate uh, uh lower quality stream 
uh, to all the participants so that it keeps a flowing and, and a, a, a lag-free conversation while capturing and, and being able to gather that really high-quality audio and video. And, and that's really, really cool. And so these are very affordable tools that really take you from I'm going to give this a second. It's okay. My my cat's auto feeder. Went off. <laughs> it's all right. We'll pull it out. No problem. <laughs> so it it really takes you to the next level of uh, of of quality for both video, audio, and and really that that's my. That's my thing. We're recording over Zoom right now because it's convenient, it's easy, and then you also have some gear on your side that we'll probably talk about at some point uh, because it's really good stuff. But it's uh, it really takes you to you know Zoom. The the whenever I get a uh, you know a grouping of files that that are from Zoom, they're so broken up and compressed and torn apart that I really have to work hard to make those sound as good as they can. And with these other tools like Riverside and CleanFeed and Squadcast, and there's a lot of them now, I can really get a super high end result quality and a quality product. And that's paramount for me because I, I am, I'm one of those, I don't know about you, but I if I turn on a podcast and it sounds like this guy's in a tin can and he's stuttering all over the place or there's just no rhyme or reason and you know weaving in and out or the audio levels are, are up and down, it, I turn it off in minutes. It, it doesn't matter how valuable the information is to me. There are a myriad of health-related podcasts that I would love to listen to but I can't stand the production process that they're, they, they are not going through, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then once you've got it into your computer, what happens next? So once it's in the computer, I will clean it up. I have several plugins that I use for that. Some of them are, are standalone. Some of them I use in my editor, specifically RX-7, which is from Isotope which it, that I have a whole stack of filters that everything goes through from de-essing to uh, de-bleed, not, well, not de-bleeded normally, unless I need to. Um, it just a whole bunch of different filters that clear out mouth clicks and pops and ticks and background noise and things like, you know, the AC fan and things like that. And that really is one of the reasons I can take subpar source material and make it sound really good is I've got this really high-end tool that does a lot of the work for me because I just load up my preset and say run. It'll take it'll crunch on an hour's worth of audio in 30 to 40 minutes depending on what it you know how many tracks I tell it to do at the same time. So it, it does a lot of that for me. And then I've got things like Vocal Writer that helps the the compression of the vo voice so that it seems even and things like that. And these are all software plugins that allow just for quality, you know, quality pr production in general. And I've learned about a lot of these as I've gone and in the last three years of actual podcasting, uh, it parallels to a lot of the things I've done in the live audio space. Like you mentioned in my bio, I've, I've been learning, I, I would say learning more than running sound f since I was 12, 
and I'm nearly 40. So, you know, cl- close on 30 years at this point, uh, you know, and it's, it, it's, it's learned a little bit as I go. And, and uh, so there's a lot of parallels and, and I can bring that, that I can bring that live environment experience to the table with the post-production thing, because I can say, okay, well, this is how we can make this the absolute best that we can from step one. I, I, in my, in my bio that I sent you, which I'm going to add to my website, I should <laughs> say it really, it, I, I was like, Hey, I should really, you know, I should do that. But the, uh, it's part of that. I, you know, that's, one of my major focuses is that I'm coaching my clients, the people that I work with. I'm saying, okay, this is what we can do to get the absolute best quality product from before you hit record, because that's really how you get the best. I can do miracles sometimes in post-production, but other times not so much. And it is one of those things that we have to... weigh those pros and cons i was mentioning to you that there's one of these that you know due to no fault of anybody's i'm just gonna have to kind of do the best i can with this one episode and it's still great information and so it's important to get it out there into the world but it's not going to sound as good as i would like it to and i have a very high bar for that you're an apple guy so do you do all your mixing in logic I do every uh, all of my mixing and mastering goes on in Logic. So audio, uh, you know, whether it's be uh, load in, load out, intro, outro music, or any of that stuff, I, I do all of that. That's where my plugins uh, go and things like that. I do on occasion uh, throw some things in Audacity. Uh, one of the things, once you know, for a free open source tool, it's extremely powerful. And one of my favorites is the truncate silence. There is a methodology on removing silences in Logic to, to kind of compress things and get things uh, a little, a little tighter. And with internet lag, unfortunately, that's a common thing with remotely recorded podcasts that we have to deal with. And so it's real easy for me if I've got an episode that's got a lot of that going on. I can instead of sending it straight to MP3 from Logic, what I'll do is I'll put it out as a wave, so I don't lose any quality. I'll throw in Audacity and I'll run truncate silence on it, and it it just detects silences under a certain point and it shortens them to a certain percentage, and so I can it, it still has that same rhythm or flow, but it's just shorter. And so it, it, it doesn't have the internet lag the same way. How do you help podcast guests who are comfortable with Zoom transition and embrace a more robust application like Squadcast? For me, usually what I'll do is I will sit in with them for a session or two and I'll produce it to a degree. And so I'll be the fly on the wall. I can actually do that uh, with Riverside. It has a producer mode and it gets them into the interface and I'll just make sure that they get all the, the right mic settings. And sometimes I'll use uh, features or, or tools like TeamViewer to remote in and, and be able to, to see their screen as they're getting it set up. And what I've done it with, uh, the, the way I've done it uh, as I've been trying to transition some of my more my uh, hosts into Riverside is I did one where I fully produce it, 
Mm-hmm. And then I did one where I remoted in. I was present when they did the recording, but then I had them set it up and I just kind of talked them through it. Same way that I do with customers if I'm instructing them, you know, in a tech support world, uh, you know, type thing. If I, you know, if I'm instructing them on how to do something or a process, I will walk them through it once and then I will have them do it and give less feedback and kind of walk them towards it slowly. And it's not, it's not complicated. If you can do it in zoom, choosing the right mic, choosing the right speakers and things like that, you can do these other tools, but you just have to know which button does what. And so that's what those one or two lessons, so to speak, uh, that's all it really needs generally. And it really uh, makes uh, a big difference to, to to be able to ease them in that way. And most of the time they get it right. Other times there's technical issues, kind of like I mentioned, you know, there are things that happen, but we make the best of it as we can. And then uh, as we experienced a few moments ago, and hopefully it's been cut out, but <laughs> as we experienced a few moments ago, I'll get a call or a text and I'll have to take a few moments to uh, to help them out. And and it usually doesn't take long to set things right. It just takes a, a little little tweaking, a little, you know, and, and again, that's where tools like TeamViewer or um, just remote access applications of some sort or them sending me a screenshot even of what do you see? And that goes a long way to be able to uh, give them the, the, the concrete, okay, here's where you need to go from here. Few guests come to a recording like this with the kind of microphones that you and I have. What advice do you give those people about how to make sure they're getting the best possible sound quality during the conversation? Something I'm passionate about. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it, it, well, and, and I'll give my podcast as an example because we are talking with average Joes. I'm not talking with professionals that are promoting something or anything like that. Honestly, it bugs me when I watch these late night shows and they're doing Zoom sessions and you've got somebody that is a billionaire and they don't even have a mic. They're, they're, they don't have headphones in. They're not using an exterior <sighs> mic. They're, they're doing, they're just, and I can hear the echo cancellation and everything that Zoom is doing to destroy that audio. And those producers, I'm sure they're just, if they're not already hairless, they're they're probably <laughs> ripping out their hair. Uh, you know, just because, it, it, you know, for us producing people, it, that, that drives us crazy. For my guests, because they are average shows, I don't have any expectation of that. And so I will ask very definitely, have headphones, please. Because then there's no echo cancellation going on. If I can't, then I just deal with it as best I can. CleanFeed has an echo cancellation mode. Riverside has an echo cancellation mode. They work better than Zoom. So it, just because it's more, it, it kind of does that in post. It does it after the fact. So it's not doing it during the conversation as much, which helps a lot because it can process and think about that a little bit. The other thing that I uh, will tell them is if they are using headsets and it's dangling or whatnot, if they're if it's rubbing against their beard or their shirt or something like that, I'll just have them pull it out a little bit and I'll just tell them, hold it out there. Keep it as, you know, as as level as you can, but but hold it out there a little bit. And and that way it's it's. you know, it's it's not getting uh, rubbed up against and, and having that scratchy feeling all the time. The other thing that I will often tell 
guests whenever they're especially like if they are on a zoom call or just any type of session and they don't have a, a good mic and they're and especially if they're not using they may be using headphones but maybe they don't have a, a mic on the headset so it's close to the mouth is i'll tell them speak like you're speaking to someone on the other side of the computer you're not going to hear them shouting but they're going to project a little more than the the whisper that you get and that helps capture clean good um contrast ratio between spoken word and background noise where whereas if they're going like this and kind of or trailing off i had i had a, a podcast that i edited the just the other day and and the guest is trailing off at the end of phrases and i was able to capture it because he had a very like he actually had a decent microphone somehow uh, or just i think actually it was a headset mic for uh, like an iPhone thing, but it, it was capturing it cleanly enough that I was able to run my compressors and vocal writer and really amp up that volume. And it, it, it evened out when all was said and done, but I had two or three layers of, of compression on there to, to pick up the slack whenever he was doing that and, and evening everything out. So it's one of those things you can do a lot in post, kind of like what I was saying earlier. Time consuming, though. It's time consuming, and you have to know, and and, and you have to trust your ear um, because I, I couldn't tell you the perfect ratio and setup for a compressor because it's going to change from one episode to another, one grouping of vocals to another. It, it, it's going to be different. And so you have to be able to trust your ear and know uh, there are some tools that allow you to be able to test loudness and things like that, but even those are imperfect. And so you just, you, you want to be able to, to know and learn what it's supposed to sound like. And from there, that goes a long way. Chris Duck is our guest. He's a professional podcast producer. Tell us some of the programs that you currently uh, work on. I currently work on uh, Fatfield Family. Uh, my own podcast is the Keto Man's Club podcast, uh, Fatfield Ketogenic. And I actually got my start from that space. There, We're no longer producing any episodes for it, but the uh, Keto Evangelist brand or what became, um, what became the Ballistic Health brand there for a while, uh, that's where I got my start. I gave my I, I said, I've never done podcast editing for you before or in general before, but I know you've got a lot on your plate. And so take me on for a couple months. There's there was an incentive for it, it wasn't completely uh, pro bono, but there, there it was it was pittance. It wasn't money. And let's just try this out over a couple months. And that turned into a real gig. And that's how I kind of launched all of this. Uh, but it went from three podcasts to five podcasts. At one point in time, I was editing five or eight weekly podcasts. At one point, it got to be quite a lot. Uh, luckily, I was um, working a, a job where I could listen and work at the same time. And it was less of less of a time. You know, I was able to do a little multitasking and it wasn't a big deal. I also uh, edit for John Hoda, who is a, a friend of ours, and uh, he is an author and, that, that you uh, you have spoken with recently. And we do My Favorite Detective Stories, How to Rocket Your PI Business podcast, uh, The Superhuman Life, which is uh, with Frank Rich, and he is working with men 
the the whole goal is to uh, help men break free from the shackles of of, of uh, addiction to pornography. Basically, that that's the core of it. Now, there's a lot of optimizing, getting the best out of life type stuff that goes on in that conversation. We're talking with all sorts of biohackers and everything else, but it, it's uh, some really interesting conversations. We've had uh, Tom Shea on recently on that one. He's another author. Um, really, really, in, uh, I hate the word inspirational, but he's a very challenging uh, individual that will, uh, that, that you can, uh, that you can find his his books out there, but yeah, I've, I get to do a whole lot of different stuff and talk to you know I talk to a lot of people on my podcast, but these other projects that I get to work on, I, I, they're all passion projects, uh, which is that help you know I want to work with people that that I can I can pull from their passion, and feed their passion because sometimes you know I'm I'm going. I haven't seen a file in a little while. What's going on? <laughs> and and it's not so much that I don't know that life's going on, you know, through the holiday season or whatever. Things happen, but I can light the fire under them a little bit and feed them and go, this is important. You know this is important. This is part of your brand. It's, you know, it's it's part of, of building your overall arcing business, but it's also what you're passionate about and and this is how you get part of your message out there and so how can i support what can i do what you know and that it, it's it's uh, symbiotic to a degree i guess would be a, a good way of saying it because i can i can challenge them to push harder to push further and um and honestly for for podcasts like fat fuel family and and my favorite detective stories and how to rock it i'm john and 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 danny mara they 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 basically call me their the podcasting partner i'm not their editor i'm their partner in in crime and that type of thing so it it, it for me it goes beyond that and i am blessed to get to work with the people that i get to work with so from an author's perspective if they were going to up their audio game what kind of microphone would you recommend that's the balance between excellent quality and budget there are quite a few different options out there uh but one that comes to mind that really does a great job for vocal uh and that's usb but also actually has like the type that you can go through an audio interface is an atr 2100 it's a little over 100 bucks i think so it's about the same price as of a Blue Yeti, but it's directional, which is nice. The The issue that a lot of the podcasting professionals that I hang out with online and whatnot have with the Yeti is it's pretty much going to pick up everything in your room, everything, everything in your space. And a lot of people talking to the top of it instead of the front of it and all these different things. This is a the ATR 2100. It, it looks like a handheld microphone, only you'll not want to hand, you know, hold it by hand. And it's, it's a little directional. And so you just point it at your face and you talk directly into it and it, it has a very good full quality sound. So for a very low, investment you can get a very high quality thing uh, there are also some others on amazon that are much cheaper than that my podcast uh, co-hosts i think because we just wanted to be responsible with our funds and everything because we're non-profit uh, at least for the most part uh, we um, we used uh, or we, we just got some 35 dollar 
com- uh, condenser that this is the optimal term right mm-hmm. condenser USB microphones and these were uh, no name more or less you know they're just kind of some random Japanese name uh, that's on Amazon but we we got them because well it's Amazon and you can return it if it's you know not any good the best thing about Amazon <laughs> it can always go yeah, back it really right <laughs> it can always go back so we tried it and we've gotten a lot of comments that that hey wow this is a marked change from their headphone uh, headset, you know, days or gym there for a long time. It just, we like, see, we're 80, 80 some odd episodes in, and we've only had these good mics for about 10, maybe 10 episodes. <laughs> but we, you know, uh, Jim was holding his phone up to his head, talking to us on clean feed. You know, that's, that's how we were recording. And, as long as he didn't move around a lot, it was fine. It was it was great. But I was able to make it work. But it, there's always ways to tweak and improve. And, and so I really like the ATR2100. Um, I really like being able to – there's, there's something that will work for everyone out there budget-wise. And so you just got to – and what it really comes down to is technique. So you're seeing me. I'm speaking into the front of my microphone. I also have a a wind guard on around it to to take off a little bit of the brunt. I know that I can see that you you've got some something similar going, and little things like that add up to a much better initial thing. So if you put the windscreen on that ATR ATR twenty one hundred. That will take care of most of your P's and T's and 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 really hard. They're they're called plosives for for a technical word, but it takes a lot of those pops out of it. That's that's what they are a pop filter, and so we I use that. Um, and but if you don't have that, just move it off a little bit outside of your your you know don't speak directly into it speak just to the side of it it's still going to capture your voice just fine but it's not going to catch as much of the wind and so there's little technique things that you can do and there are a bazillion uh resources i've tried to uh, like i've I, I've I've scripted a couple emails and that i just never sent out to my clients because we they were doing okay but I, I plan to put together either videos or and then I'm like I, I then I see other people's videos. I'm like, I hope there's no point in me creating this. Someone else already did. I'll just send that link it, it, because, because there are there's a million YouTube videos on how to get the best uh, quality. So definitely find the resources that are out there for that and how to get the best sound is probably your best keywords for that, because I've seen several really good uh resources that that i would pull from you know if i you know if you you use the word uh, condenser you and i know the difference between a condenser and a dynamic microphone and people are looking on mm-hmm. amazon they'll see those words what is the difference and what's the benefit of a condenser over a dynamic microphone so a condenser microphone is usually a larger diaphragm to pick up sound which also means that it has it picks up lower ranges as well as the high frequencies, but the lower ranges come in a little bit more clearly. And uh, I can you you are definitely one of those that appreciates that because you kind of have that you definitely have that radio voice and <laughs> and there's something that's needed. I, I can only substitute so much of that in in the EQ editing after the fact. I can only put so much back into it. So having that large, very full sounding. Uh, sound 
uh, helps a lot from the compressed from the condenser, but they usually will pick up the whole room or they'll pick up a large area. They're very, very sensitive. So if you have them turned up too high or if your sensitivity is more than what what it needs to be, you're going to pick up more things than what you really want, which is your voice. So as opposed so the alternative to that is a dynamic, the ATR 2100 dynamic microphone. And it doesn't, it's not like charged up is probably the layman term that I'll use for it, but it's not charged up and super sensitive the way that they, that a condenser mic is. It's still very good, but it's just not going to capture as much, uh, like from five plus feet away. It's usually they're designed in a, a pattern. I won't go into all the different patterns, right. but there, there usually there's shapes that the microphone is set to capture from, and they're usually set to be just a small bubble directly around the microphone versus it being a just pick up anything for any distance and and things like that. Condensers prime for getting all of the nuance and all of the texture of the sound of something that, that you're, that you're capturing. So when I'm singing, I want to, I want, I want a condenser microphone. If I'm, you know, capturing an instrument, I want a condenser microphone, but for spoken word, a dynamic microphone can work just fine. I have an SM 57 over on my shelf over here. And you know, that is the quintessential rock star microphone because that's what they use on stage. But there's a reason that it's the quintessential because it can take a beating, but it still sounds good. It's and and every every production person in the world, uh, they they know how to work with an SM fifty seven, FM fifty seven or fifty eight. They they just know how to work with them because they just they work, plain and simple. There are a lot of Yetis out there. Which one of the settings on the back should you use to make sure you're doing it right? The one matching cardioid. That's the, the, the term for it. And that's going to make it be a, a, a bubble all the way around the front of the, the, the microphone. It's, uh, there's, there is a omnidirectional, which will pick up everything in the room. And that's where we run into problems is that it's picking up the computer behind the microphone or behind the microphone just as much as it is the person in front of it. And then you get all this hum and buzz and things like that. And so, yeah, cardioid is absolutely what I would prefer on those Yetis that have the toggle switch between settings. Chris Duckett is our guest. A fascinating conversation behind the scenes of how podcasts are made let's swing into video you mentioned riverside fm talk a little bit about how that works so when i first started doing video podcasts i would just take whatever the video feed was that i got from a zoom if it was in a gallery mode where it wasn't auto switching back and forth between people that was better because i could actually cut in and create a duplicate layer and be able to switch between them and things like that, make it look and have more control myself. Uh, but the quality is just horrible. What Riverside does is it essentially sets up the camera so that it's recording a separate high quality or full quality video feed of whatever their camera has to work with. 
there on the local computer. And it, it do, you do have to have a computer for this. So it captures that on the computer. And then as you're having the conversation, it uploads that to the Riverside servers. That gives me separate audio, separate video, video, and I can switch back and forth between whoever's speaking or create a combo where I've got the two people or multiple people sitting, you know, side by side in boxes and things like that. It really gives me that flexibility of being able to really create a high quality end product equal to, or really maybe not equal to, but very similar to if each person had a separate video camera or iPhone or whatever sitting behind their computer or capturing their space. And then, you know, it just had that separately completely. And then they ship over the files and then you, that's what Riverside facilitates for me. And it's um, Squadcast just released version three, which allows to do the same thing. And it's really one of those things that I know they've been working to get right for a while. Uh, audio alone was a hard thing to, to do. So Zencaster tried it for a long time and I don't know that they ever got it right, but other people picked up the, you know, picked up where Zencaster left off and improved on it. And so there's been a lot of advancement, especially in the last year with more and more things going remote and the need for high quality production to be able to uh, become available to us on a wide scale. It really, it makes a big difference because if I'm uploading this to to YouTube, it, it has to look okay. Now, I will say, and this has been confirmed for me by the other podcast professionals that I work with that, that also do video. Nobody cares about the quality of the video. Quote, unquote, nobody. I absolutely care about the quality of the video. And whenever I'm watching YouTube videos, I, I'm not posh and like, oh, this isn't 1080p. I'm not going to watch it. But it's not the same experience if it's not high quality. And so it's it, the... The, the really cool thing about Riverside that I haven't tested with Squadcast yet because they just launched is that uh, you get the highest quality that they have. So when I'm using my iPhone as my webcam, it allows for me to capture 1080p video from my iPhone with the, uh, the, the depth sensing like portrait mode. So my yeah, I've got that nice little bokeh thing going on in video recorded live. It's just, you know, it's really high quality. And that gives me that much more flexibility to do more things after the fact, because even if the end product is 720, because, because I'm trying to find the middle ground between all the different sources, it gives me the ability to find that sweet spot or, you know, maybe I need to zoom in extra. Well, I have that ability to do so because my source material is starting at such a high level and it's new. And so it's one of those things that, you know, we're going to find more more companies or more tools to do this and more people will begin doing it more and more, which I'm glad for, because that just means it will be a higher quality end result in when all is said and done.
Those of us who have bought flat screen TVs probably have heard the term 720 versus 1080, 1080i, 1080p, and nowadays even the term 4K. And what Chris is telling us is that the higher the resolution that you can afford on your end, the more flexibility there is in post-production to make things look very, very good. How long does it take you to edit a typical 30-minute audio program versus a video podcast? It's about double to quadruple the amount of, of time, if I'm being honest. So if if it's a 30-minute episode uh audio that would take me about an hour maybe an hour and a half you know if i really have to tweak hard on it type thing because especially because i've got so many automated processes that i'm using so i don't even count that as time spent i just load it in and it it runs and when it's done then i then i start the clock uh for video it's much more hands-on I have to do more prepping. There's a lot of taking my high quality audio files, syncing them up after processing them to to sync them up with the video and get them to where they are uniform throughout the video uh, in inside of Final Cut. Because, you know, I am on Apple and so I'm, I'm editing in Final Cut. Once it's all matched up, then I can start switching between cameras or I can start chopping out the sections that need to be chopped out or whatever that ends up looking like. But there's a lot of preparatory steps that have to be done just to get to the point where I can even start cutting. Audio, just because I've done it as long as I have, that part doesn't really take me very long because I will just run it through automated systems and I have templates. And so it takes less, much less time. So for an hour long, which is what I edit most of the time, I'm usually billable hours, at least four hours uh, for a video. Whereas for a audio podcast, Usually it's two hours. Uh, again, if it's if it's an hour, you know, the two hours production time, and that maybe I'm being generous with that, but I, I would rather be generous with that, especially because these are passion projects and friends of mine and things like that. So I, I go easy on them. What can authors do to improve the video experience on their end of the camera? Lighting, lighting, lighting. Because even if you have a, a really, really low-end camera, if you're sitting in a dark room with poor lighting or you're backlit because you're sitting right in front of a, 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 a you know bright, sunny day window, your face can't be seen or any of that type of thing. I, you're seeing this right now as we're using the video on Zoom. I have my, my, my office, my studio set up. I have a desk lamp that's on an arm. I can move it to where, you know, where it's basically sitting right above my camera. I, it's a smart light, it's smart bulb, so I can change the color temperature of it. You can get really nerdy with this stuff. Then I have all, <laughs> my backdrop as well is is all set up. You're using one of uh, one of those really cool Zoom virtual backdrops, which is it's uh, which is customized for you with your books and everything, which is awesome. <laughs> I love that. But yeah, it, it anything that you can do that makes it visually interesting while providing enough brightness goes a long way when I'm using my iPhone and it's up there and I'm standing at my desk and I have my, my bookshelf wall behind me that I've curated to, to look the way I want it to. Uh, 
at that point, you know, it gives it, it gives a little something that I, I hope that, that our, our viewers will pick up on. And as an author, I'm sure a bookshelf would be a great thing to have behind you <laughs> of all your favorite books. There's nothing wrong with that at all. That's uh, a really good point. Because if you look at some of the authors who know this well, the area behind their camera is loaded with copies of their books. Tori Eldridge, who writes the Lily Wong series, is a master of this. She has product placement everywhere. There's not a thing that goes out that doesn't have a ninja daughter or the ninja's blade on it. And the lighting in the background is a subtle thing, but a very powerful thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it like, I guess like everything, Chris, it's a balance, right? It's a balance between time, budget, and totally. creativity. Absolutely. And, and being a creative myself, it, that probably helps. And I do have as well, you know, on top of my video and audio, I've done lighting work as well on, on you know, helping out with churches and things like that. So I have smart bulbs all the way around. I've got LED strip lights inside of some cubbies and inside of my bookshelves. I'm, I've got some stick up LED lights that are, are able to be lit up, things like that. I've probably spent maybe a hundred dollars. Like it's, it's not expensive. It's not a lot, Yeah, but I took the time to get them, to set them up and I can tell my spark device, Hey, turn on these or change this to that. And it's, it's, it's really easy or I can adjust them with my phone too. It's not, you know, it's nice for me to have that flexibility to really be able to find that sweet spot, whatever that is for that day. And Lighting goes a long way to make video interesting. And it's very easy to be creative. I think of Jennifer Gordon the other day. I was complimenting her on the wallpaper behind her, and she said, that's a shower curtain. <laughs> so it is possible. <laughs> You're limited only by your creativity. Absolutely. My my podcast host, he he films in his work shed, which is behind, behind, behind his house, but he set up a couple you know, sheets, just, just dark sheets hanging from the ceiling behind him. And it gave for a, it's not perfect, but he's an automotive guy. So, you know, it's like people expect a little bit of something like that. He's, he's in his shop. It, it, it's totally for keto man's club, you know, Hey, if it looks, if it looks a little man, like that's okay. That's not a problem. <laughs> Do you like that natural thing versus the vagaries of green screen or zoom auto backgrounds? I think I prefer organic. Yeah. Uh, I do. I, I appreciate it, especially like with yours. Again, it's customized. There's product placement on it. I see your books and, and there's a reason behind that. And so I totally appreciate that. And zoom actually does a pretty good job you can actually improve that further with your lighting too yep because if you're properly lighting your front and your back it can tell the difference between you and your backdrop a little more easily uh so that 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 becomes a lot more interesting and 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 clean i guess would probably be the, the 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 better term for that but yeah i you know i told my 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 co-host like get a green you know or or blue sheet and i'll key off of it and throw something fun behind you you know i don't have any problem doing that especially because i can do that in you know after the fact with that full quality 
video that I'm getting from Riverside. There are a lot of lighting options out there. What do you recommend? So one of the things that my one of my my uh, hosts did recently is he got a couple of those ring lights uh, that have adjustable tone. That's an important thing too, is having adjustability of the the color temperature. I have my my light that I'm using right now. I have it set to my lowest color temperature. But there are times, depending on which colors I choose for my backdrop or whatnot, that I need that to be a a, a brighter or bluer uh, white instead. And so I adjust that accordingly. Those ring lights can do that. And those, um, between that and him upgrading to a 1080p webcam that's just a usb webcam his his existing one had like a scratch in the glass on it and so i was i'm sitting here editing and i'm wanting to like rub on my screen <laughs> to fix the uh, to, to fix the the fuzz that was there but yeah it, it between the the upgrade and the resolution and the clarity of it and then it's also widescreen which are like like GoPro and so it's capturing more space I can fix that after the fact because it's all rounded uh luckily I have a, a fix for that but the um but yeah it, it does give me more more space but he he got a couple ring lights and that helped a lot to even out because he usually is wearing a hat and things like that and so he's getting shadows and now he's not getting those shadows but I gave him the feedback okay you're that was a little blue. So go ahead and, and turn that color temperature down a notch or two and let's try that and things like that. The other thing that he he was really bad about that I'll throw in there that makes video interesting is engage with your camera. Yep. And, and so what I do whenever I'm having my recording sessions is I put my screen with all, all of my participants right underneath my camera because I've got multiple monitors and mm -hmm. I'm monitoring multiple things at once, but I put that screen right underneath where my camera is capturing so that at least whenever I'm looking at my other participants, I'm looking like I'm close to looking at the camera and engaging with that. But when I'm speaking actively, I try to shift and actually look at the lens. It's so hard. It's so hard, but that ability to engage directly with it, it, it makes all the difference in the world. So if you have one of those webcams that have a little light whenever it's active, look at the light. It helps. Looking at that big dark circle out there with yep. the rest of the world on the other side can be intimidating for yes, sure. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. So how do you bid a job? How do you set your rates? I pretty much at this point have a flat rate that is my hourly labor. And so depending on the project and things like that, I, that's how I, I bill per, per hour of labor. And I usually divide it by the half hour if needed. So like if, 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 uh, you know, if I only worked half, you know, half an hour, I'll, I'll only charge you for half the hour. That's not a problem. But the, um, but usually it is, uh, for an hour worth of audio, it's usually two hours worth of, of labor at least. Uh, if I'm posting or uploading your blog for you and things like that, that can be upwards of an hour's worth of work. And so that gets charged an hour, things like that. And so I, I try to keep it really simple that way. There are some minimums. So if we're going to plan on it being an hour long podcast, that's my expectation. 
that it's going to be an hour long. And so that that sets my minimum. I'm going to bill for two hours minimum. If you go over, no problem. I'll, you know, if you add 30 more minutes, that adds about an hour worth of work. And so I will, you know, it, that, that, that's kind of how it, it equates to roughly per hour of labor, half an hour of, of content. How do people find you on the web? I have my website at ducketproductionservices.com. Uh, that's also on Instagram and Facebook and all those places, but ducketproductionservices.com is the uh, place to, to find my website. And uh, there is a consultant or a uh, consult with me button. And so feel free to, to use that. I, th- I updated because my schedule changed recently. <laughs> I updated my availability for co- consultation times recently. So uh, I have that there and, uh, I would love to talk with you and I don't even have to be your editor. That's the other thing that, that I can do is I can just come alongside you and help you get, take it, take it, help take you to the next level, uh, whether it be upgrading, uh, or getting you used to a new application or getting you the tools or connecting you with my editing group, because I, I have limited bandwidth that, that, you know, because I am working a full-time job on top of this. So I, while I would love to take on, you know, everybody and do this all the time, I also know that sometimes I'll have to shift it off and say, hey, over here, I've got a job that's going to be really great for the person that's interested in doing X, Y, and Z and uh, whatnot. But I can, I can consult with you, help you get the equipment that you need. Uh, I can help get you set up physically or logically because there is a process for getting it onto the web and getting your podcast posted and getting your YouTube channel set up. And I've done all of that either for myself or for others. And and so it really is something that I can come alongside and, and I would love to help people get there, you know, in, in this audience, authors specifically. I've worked with several of them now at this point, and I, I really have been very intrigued, and, and I always enjoy getting to see uh, what's the uh, – how the bread's made. <laughs> how the sausage is made. You're yeah, right. How the, <laughs> how the sausage is made. I, I, I do like to get to see the the, the behind the, the scenes of that as, a, as an editor. Yet I, I'm not an author. I'm never going to write a book probably, but I – it, it, I enjoy and I'm I'm an, I'm an avid audiobook reader because I don't I don't have time to sit down and read a paper <laughs> book most of the time. But it, it is one of those things that I, there there's just a lot there's an art to that that I respect highly, and so it's been really cool to get to to get to to be able to see that from behind the scenes. And so I'd love to work with more authors because they're great people. Well, and you do a lot more than just recording and editing. You also offer the option of deploying across multiple platforms. Mm-hmm. You provide blog posts and stuff for emails as well. How do you do all that? Well, you know, most of the time it's just that they, that my clients have their website. So fat fuel family, fat family. And so they'll add me on as an admin and I'll set up the blog post. I don't, one of the services that I don't do is write the blog post. I, you know, whether it's a bio or something like that, I rely heavily on my client to provide me what they want that post to say, largely because usually my turnaround time is, I'm doing it and it's going up within 24 to 48 hours, if if not less. And 
when that happens, I don't have time to, to do the copy back and forth and make sure that it's right or that I took the right notes or whatever that might be. So I rely heavily on my, my hosts to give me that, that content. Usually that's not a big deal because it's usually just a copy of whatever their bio was that they read, you know, at the beginning or, you know, for the intro or whatever that is. So, and then I have a template that I do with all the other links and everything that goes in there, pop it into the to the website, put it on the podcast host. There, There's a, you know, website that you have to upload the, the, the podcast files to, whether it be YouTube or, or uh, SoundCloud. Let's SoundCloud or let's see where Anchor so FM. Yep. Yeah, I, I use uh, um, I personally use. Uh, of course, I'm completely blanking on it. <laughs> happens it. to me all the time. You're a lot a younger than I am, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Simplecast. There we go. Simplecast. So okay. I personally use Simplecast and that is a great platform, very reasonably priced and, and all that type of stuff. So it really, uh, you know, that's my that's my preference, but that's also kind of just what I got started in whenever I, you know, started taking on some of other people's work initially. So I didn't find it. It was said, hey, here, use this because this is what I use. And then I have adopted it going forward and, and it's yeah, but there's there's all sorts of different host platforms that work great, and there's no reason not to use any one of them because they all have their own features and their own price points and things like that. Like you like you mentioned, SoundCloud, it's a great one. I believe it's free, um, and so you can you can host it there and pass it out, and it's good. So Simplecast is a lot like Anchor FM, and you drop it there once, and it goes wherever you want it to go to all your other yes, platforms. It Gets it to Apple yeah. and everybody. Yeah, I all you have to do is uh, it, they they've actually made it very very simple. You have a distribution page, and you'll get your RSS feed, which is fancy term for the file that that the database that keeps track of what files and what images and all that type of stuff. But that RSS feed link then gets copied and they have a whole page of pretty much every platform possible on that. And you just follow the link, follow the instructions on the screen to submit and, and say, okay, I own this podcast. I, you know, link it up with this RSS feed and all of that. And once that's all done, it's just done. So you upload it to, to Simplecast, you hit publish, it's off. It's it's really no it, it no effort at all at that point. Uh, I don't know what you're having to do with SoundCloud because I've just never done it with SoundCloud. It's drag and drop, but it's only one platform. Yeah. The Anchor yeah. FM guys will send it a lot of different places as yeah. well. And that's, you know, if you are an author, you're looking for shortcuts like this because as writers we have the same problem chris has we don't have the time to do all the things that we'd like to do to promote which is why i love having you as a guest on this program chris because it's a tool we don't think of yep you say hire to your weaknesses bring in people that have strengths that you don't have or can have time that you don't have to yep. get the job done if you could leave us with one piece of advice that could immediately improve an author's guest experience on a podcast, what would that advice be? Have headphones. <laughs> I, I, 
I it literally comes down to that because when we do the when we talk about the can, the the echo cancellation, the sound cancellation, and all of that, it really destroys the audio. Or say uh, the 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 host chimes in real quickly in in response to like with the the how the sausage made comment that you made earlier. You cut in on what I was saying, but because we both have headphones in. It didn't get captured on a microphone, didn't get canceled out anywhere in the chain. And it's going to come through clearly to the end and listener. When it gets canceled out, it gets canceled out. It, it, it cuts out both the host and the guests most of the time. And it's just not very, it's not a smooth listening experience. So headphones are great. Headphones with a microphone on them is even better. So... That because that puts it closer to the mouth. So instead of using the laptop or the phone's internal microphone, it uses the one that's closer to the source of the sound. And those iPhone headphones are surprisingly good. They uh, are. For, yeah, the, the AirPods. That. It's it's mm-hmm. interesting to hear the quality yeah. of that sound. Well, in 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 AirPods specifically, AirPods are really low bit rate, so they communicate slowly. And while they sound pretty good for phone calls and FaceTime conversations, I can tell the difference. I can tell that they are a, a Bluetooth device. I'll still take it. I will still <laughs> use that any day over all of the other things. But if I have my druthers, a hardware connection is, is better. Ducketproductionservices.com is the website to remember We'll have a long list of show notes here where we'll talk about all the applications, all the gear that our guest Chris Duckett has recommended. And uh, if you want to get in touch with him, that email address again, Chris, is? Services at gmail.com. What a treat, my friend. I mean, this is this is great. I'm, I, we have some stuff we're cutting out, but my timer says 108. And even yep. with 10 or 15 off of that, it's going to be one of the longest podcasts we've done in the Authors on the Air series, but clearly one of the most beneficial. Thank you so much for being You're on the so program. Welcome. You're so welcome. It was absolutely my pleasure. And I uh, look forward to continuing to interact with you. I, I don't feel, I, I'm pretty certain that this is not the last time that you and I are going to be speaking. <laughs> Authors on the Air can be found on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud. We invite you to explore the many other podcasts that focus on the craft aggregated at the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Our theme music was written by Pavlo Butorin. I'm Terry Shepard, and I'll see you in the next chapter. 